There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. That's right. Joe Kloffenstein kids, he's got something to show. 
in- interesting first game of that 2006 preseason. I think he's got room to grow. Next superstar, next superstar. Remember, there was a time where every draft pick was the next superstar on TST, and I'm partly to blame well, for that. But like every every kid from the first to seventh round, superstar potential. And I think that shows the growth of the internet and the kind of internet that follows football is that. You know, that, that in the early days of Tertial Times and other outlets, there was this capability to try to uh, get behind every draft pick, and it didn't feel like there was enough experience collectively to feel confident about picking guys, you know. And Mel Kiefer was held on a pedestal because he was the only one that had a platform, and that's not the case now. We've been through this. We've been through this before. You and I collectively for, what, six years, five years? So, at least, you know, the idea – the idea, yeah, the idea for us covering preseason, we've done this before, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, we have. We've been through the ringer. We know. We know the drill. We know the score. And uh, here we are in the preseason. Did you have a chance to watch the preseason game through, Ted? I watched it live. I didn't get a chance to go rewatch it. But I think, uh, you know, it was it was an interesting preseason game. I, I'll, I'll say one thing that I was surprised not more people agreed with me online. I wish the starters would have played a hell of a lot less, man. I got I got real uncomfortable about how much the starters were playing, especially after Roger Saffold got hurt. Uh, yeah, I do too. And I'm always I mean it was refreshing. I was happy with most of what I saw. I wish they just kinda of would have been like, All right, enough's enough. I mean like I I, I mean, thought it was nice to see Bradford and I think that's kinda of what Fisher's done. I mean, Fisher had talked about that a little bit last year with the preseason. Leaving um I remember one game last year he left he left the offense in a little longer than he planned because he wanted to kind of get them down. He didn't come out and say expressly he wanted them to score a touchdown, but he wanted them to get down the field and have a, put a successful drive together. And you notice that's when the starting offense at least came, or at least Sam Bradford and some of the starters started to come out after that Chris Givens touchdown in the second quarter. Yeah, yeah and I, saw, I, mean, I get the idea of, you know, you want to get a touchdown and have a successful drive under your belt, so moving into the second game you've got some some good tape to build on offensively, but – I mean, the the reality is between training camp and, and preseason, the one thing that can really affect your team for the long haul, and how many teams have already learned this, is injuries, whether it's Percy Harvin or uh, Jerry right. Pitta or all the guys that have gone down around the league. It only takes one. We got close with Saffold, but it looks like we're going we're gonna to get out of it. I mean, it sounds like he'll be back around the last preseason game, if not just for week one. So we kind of missed the scare there. But, there. but I tell you what, that really does raise did. a concern. It does raise a big concern because we've counted on – the offensive line so heavily this year. And we've talked a lot about the weapons and Tavon Austin and Sam Bradford and Zach Stacy and all the offensive skill players. But we're really it all hinges on that offensive line being a much better unit this year. And right now with Saffold injured and now he should be back in time for the regular season and that's good news, but we've been down this road before. Correct me if yep. I'm wrong. Absolutely. And I look at the depth chart and I see, you know, there's some differences between the depth chart of, like, you know, the 2010-2011 Rams. But it gets pretty thin and pretty unknown after Saffold and Jake Long at tackle right now. Yeah, I think we may – I mean, it's a long season, so you're, you you got to expect some kind of injuries pretty much at every position. We're probably going to have, you know, one or two guys miss a game or two, but – yeah, you know, if we learned anything from Paul Boudreaux last year, Paul T, the the, the father, not the son, it's that uh, he's able to work some magic. So I think maybe there's some confidence that with guys like Joe Barksdale, who played some last year, and 
what is it, Tainaseki? I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce yeah. the name. I had the preseason game on mute. But you got Naseki, you got Barrett Jones, who's got some experience across the line. So you got a couple options, obviously, Hootie and po- uh, Graham Pochich, you know, in yeah. terms of guys that are on the roster right now. But it, it's certainly not not going to be something that fills you with a ton of confidence now. No, and I, I, was, I know I liked what I saw from Barksdale. I don't like him on the left side. I didn't like him on the left side last year, and that's not an easy – Easy job to play. Now you saw, you probably you're familiar with him obviously more than I am because you know he, he played at LSU. Yep. Is he? I mean, how you know just just flash back real quickly in, into your brain. I mean, you saw him play in college. What did you sort of think of him? He's a little too slow. I mean, he he wasn't the prospect that Chris Falk was. If people remember Chris Falk before the injury, yeah. he's a big. He's got the size. He's got uh, you know plenty of size. It's just not proportioned well. He doesn't have the proportions of somebody like Michael Brockers, who fills out at 325. And it, admittedly, he said he feels light. He's got one of those bodies that's just shaped to put on a ton of weight and maintain the athleticism. That's Joe, not Joe Parksdale. He's more of a plodding right. big body, and there's a reason why he's not somebody that teams are coveting to plug in at left tackle. But, you know, if there's one performance I thought that stood out on the offense as much as we want to credit Chris Givens, I thought it was Sam Rasser. I thought he looked incredible then. He did. He looked great. I think he would have completed 100%. Now, this wasn't, you know, this was a pretty vanilla offense, but I felt like he would have, I think he would, it's not a stretch to say that he would have completed all his passes had the receivers cooperated with him there. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a, you know, a missed, uh, you know, where they were off their timing or something like that, or it was an overthrow or the receiver, you know, it was the receivers, they they were dropped. Yeah, the, you had the drop to Daryl Richardson, then the uh, Austin Pettis kind of diving slash falling drop, and then the and last one was Cable. Steve on Austin where he was a bit, uh, what do we want to say, interfered, molested, whatever the proper term is. He yeah. was dealing with a defender, but the reality was all three of the incompletions hit his receivers in the hands. I don't think you can ask for anything more out of your quarterback. Yeah, no, absolutely. He looks good. And, uh, you know, that's sort of like I hope – and. We'll see what kind of playing time they get through the rest of the preseason. But I, I hope it's a little less than maybe what it was last season, just because <laughs> the Rams, you know, you know, when you look at even with the NFC West, I think one advantage the Rams have right now, and I still don't think the Rams are as deep as San Francisco and Seattle across the board. But one thing the Rams have going for them that Seattle and San Francisco can't say right now is the injuries. Yeah. He got Absolutely. injured for San Francisco and Seattle. So. Key guy, I mean, wide receiver. Now, granted, Seattle didn't have Parsi Harvin, and they did fine last year, but they were looking at him as somebody to try to catapult that offense towards the top. Well, uh, absolutely. For a and you're looking at, you know, you're, you're looking at a, at, a, at a Seattle team that's not going to have Bruce Irvin for the first four games of the season. And as as good as Russell Wilson was last year, it was only his rookie year, so he doesn't have a huge track record or anything. Same for Colin Kaepernick. I mean, who's to say, yeah. like, granted, last year was a second year, but for all intents and purposes, it was pretty much his rookie year with a redshirt freshman NFL year. Um, yeah. You know, he he came in and they brought on uh, Anquan Bolden and lose Michael Crabtree, so who knows what he's going to really look like when he comes time for week one. But I think if there was maybe a negative to take out of the the big names that we were looking at on the offense, it had to be Isaiah Pete. It was a disappointing performance starting with that fumble. Yeah, I was, you know, I was when I I had the privilege of watching most of them, flipping back and forth around between all the preseason games Thursday night. Um, you know, the Pete thing, I don't know. I mean, I just start to wonder if this guy's ever going to get it together. I mean, if this guy's ever going to – I feel like – I sort of feel like now it's like I look back in retrospect and, you know, this is something we talk about in draft season a lot, but just the 
the overvaluing of running backs. And just it's like even we're getting to the point now where the second round, you look at Eddie Lacy this year, or, 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 you know, Jonathan Franklin out of UCLA, second-round picks. Or Franklin wasn't even a second-round pick this year. But it's just like we've got, you know, this is a, a running back in the second round, man. I, you know, and no front office, as good as this front office has been so far, is not, you know, they're not going to hit every single pick. So, I mean, it's not a fault because – you look at what they did do elsewhere in the second round of the draft last year, and you you really can't fault you know a team that took Janoris Jenkins there. But it's a uh, it's a concern. I don't know. You know, I Pete just to me, I, I'm not totally ready to write him off, but I really felt like watching him play this week. I'm like, ah, there's future former Ram Isaiah Pete. Yeah, sir. I mean, it certainly doesn't help his cause. And one of the things I, I keep pointing out is that he's going to have to sit out week one with the suspension. So he's always yeah. got to play his stock into week two and kind of overplay guys who are going to have a chance in week one, whether that's Zach Stacy, Daryl Richardson, obviously at the front, but maybe some of the guys at backups that may get some time yeah. in week one. If they come out and show up through the preseason and maybe have a good play or two in week one, yeah. you know, that's Isaiah Pede facing a long hill back to uh, playing time. It is, and he's really going to have to. I mean, this is a guy that's really going to have to, especially because he's not going to be there in week one. He's really going to have to just, just – knock the ball out of the park through the next three preseason games and and, and in practice too. Well, let's talk, let's move over to the defensive side. We got a good, a good quartet of callers lined up that I want to get to, but let's cover the defense before we do, you know, the defensive line obviously is pretty set for the starting, uh, starting 11 for uh, week one. Although there's a couple jobs, I guess you could say we're up in the air. One of the interesting uh, issues that's left to be kind of resolved, I guess, is how Alec Ogletree fits his defense. You know, running so much out of a nickel base with Joel on Dunbar and James Laurinaitis at linebacker last year, I was interested to see how Ogletree played. Um, and he looked like a rookie. Is that a fair way to put it? You think? I think that's very much a fair way to put it. I mean, if you go back, I was rewatched. I rewatched bits and pieces of the game today with a kind of a particular emphasis. I really wanted to see Ogletree and McDonald because they're such key pieces of the defense this year. So I really kind of watched those, you know, those four guys, those two guys on each snap that they were on the field as much as I really, you know, really concentrated in on that less so than I would say, you know, the fourth quarter guys. But if you notice where if you, you go back and you look at where the Browns, who the Browns targeted. They're not going after Jenkins. They're not going after Finnegan. Almost every pass they're going at Ogletree in his area of the field. And he was out of position on most of the time, too. Out of position and missing tackles. And you could say the same thing with McDon- about McDonald, who was really uh, disappointed, not the right word, because it's a preseason game. But, you know, those guys are obviously they have some work to do. They have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And, and one of the things you were talking about today, obviously, that, that warrants that kind of discussion, uh, skipping kind of the cornerbacks, because we know they're going to be all right come season start, uh, was the safety play. And uh, that, I, I guess the thing that really stood out was, was the tackling. It, it was sloppy. I mean, it was really, it was really terrible. Fun. Yeah. It was terrible. Now, I, I think with McDonald, one of the things I was sort of encouraged about is, like, you know, you would see him, he, 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 he took good angles to the players. I mean, he wasn't out of position. He wasn't lost, you know. He just, he just screwed up on making tackles. And I think that's a correctable flaw, especially after one game in the preseason. And you can give those guys a little bit of a breather because this is their first taste of NFL action. Training camp's great. And I, if you notice, everybody – is doing great in training camp. I mean, all 90 guys right now, when you read training camp reports, no matter what the source is, all 90 guys in training camp are. 
I, I was going to say, I read Softly's report. It seems like guys are flying around with it, with a kiss of the pads everywhere. I know, and with a you know, and with a first-rate talent evaluator like Tony Softly on the case. I mean, who are you? Who? What are you? I mean, I'm just confused. And but no, I'll tell you the one that point. worried me more than anything, 3K, was Darian Stewart because Darian Stewart is a player we've seen before. He is a player. This is his fourth. Yeah, this is his fourth season in the league. Mm. Uh, now he didn't play much last year. He got a, he missed most of training camp because he was hurt. So he was behind the eight ball in terms of that, but he made the you know he was on the fifty three man roster last season. He was he you know he 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 had the playbook. He went through OTAs last year. He went through OTAs this year, and he's still the same. He's you know bad angles, poor tackling. He led the league. He started thirteen games in two thousand eleven. That disastrous year of last year's Steve Spagnolio started thirteen games for the Rams as a as a safety. Led the league in missed tackles with 20. I mean, far and away among defensive backs, the most missed tackles. And I, I saw the same Darian Stewart on the field last night. It looked bad. I mean, it, it, there are no excuses. I mean, it looked bad. And for somebody like uh, Darian Stewart, it's different than Ogletree and McDonald. You know, they say obviously as little NFL experience that they have, despite, you know, some. Uh, some experience at some really strong collegiate programs, you got to think by now Darian Stewart would have some of that technique now. And, it, you know, Fisher's come out and they started talking about Ogletree and how impressive he's been and McDonald and the fact that he's kind of calling out certain defensive uh, assignments and things like that from the back yeah. as much time as he played at USC. You don't hear a lot of people talking about Darian Stewart and uh, a lot of the positives he brings to the team. It's almost almost about the uh, – it's a diss by omission of praise. Yeah. And you go back, I ran this little, I, I ran this script on the transcripts, all the official transcripts from Fisher and, you know, Schottenheimer and Wallman, those guys that have given press conferences throughout training camp this year. You run the little script that tells you sort of a word count. <laughs> Darian Stewart is mentioned approximately five times. Cody Davis, undrafted rookie free agent Cody Davis, guy out of Texas Tech has been mentioned three times as much as Darian Stewart has already. Now, that's just from the transcripts. I don't know what you know. That's just obviously those are talking points, so I'm trying to, you know, you do a word count, you do a word cloud sort of thing, and maybe try to hope to get and glean a little insight from it and read between the lines here and there. And I, I'm telling you, I, I just I don't see Darian Stewart as a starting, an NFL starter. It, do, it doesn't bear well to, to have that kind of a performance in week one when you had some other guys missing plays and, you know, you yeah. got a chance to kind of solidify your veteran status. What, what are the other takeaways, I guess, before we get to the calls? We covered the offense, the defense. I posted the snap count, obviously, on the site. What, what were some of the yeah. takeaways if you had anybody from the backups? Obviously, you talked about Cody Davis. He played almost two-thirds of all the plays. Yeah, he does uh, Benny Cunningham. I think there's a third highest behind uh, two of the guys. Yeah, you know, I keep an eye on this running back, Benny Cunningham. He looks he looked great. He's had great practices. He looked great on the field. Now, this is Cleveland's second and third string defenses he's running against, so don't read too much into that. It's sort of like, you know, the LeGarrette Blount. <laughs> the LeGarrette Blount last night obviously looked like a stud back. He's not a stud back. He's just playing, you know, he's playing the Eagles, an Eagles defense that was absolutely terrible and even worse in its second and third string. So I don't want to read too much into a guy like Cunningham, but I liked what I saw. I mean, that bodes well for these guys, especially with Pede's status on the line a little bit. 
Now, Pete's skill set isn't one that a lot of that the other running backs on the roster really have, so I think that probably helps Pete a little bit. But, you know, Cunningham's a guy that can make a case to stick around on the roster, especially if he can play special teams. I like what I saw from him. I liked also what I saw. I, you know, I was not disappointed with Austin Davis. He's struggled. I, he's never been a good deep ball thrower, and I was pleased with his deep ball last night. He didn't throw a lot of them, obviously. But, I was, you know, I was satisfied with his deeper passes because that's such an important part of this offense. Not that they do it a lot, but it's something that Bradford does go down and he steps in. He's going to have to be able to do with guys like Chris Evans and Tavon Austin and Stedman Bailey on the team. And so I was, I was pleased with what I saw from him. Overall, I mean, I wouldn't just, you know, like, oh, my God, there's the next Tom Brady. But, you know, I sure. think he's has what it takes to be a competent backup in this offense. Yeah, I think so. Uh, hey, Bernie Kosar, what, what do you think about what you saw out of Austin <laughs> Davis last night? Uh, look, Kelly Clemens is – he gives me cancer. Uh, well, I watched uh, – uh, I haven't seen quarterback play like Kellen Clemens since the last bottle of Tuaka I finished. <laughs> Tuaka. Well, yeah, I get I mean, it is what it is. Certain uh, former players bring a little a little zest to the booth, but – that was an that was an unusual call from old from Bernie. <laughs> yeah. That's not the stuff that producers are you that networks are going to tolerate a whole lot. So we'll see what happens. I'll be interested to see what what happens next because that was, those are pretty strong words from Jeff Fisher. I mean, you know Jeff Fisher's press conference. Yeah. I mean, if I Jeff Fisher could get raped by the referees, and he comes back the next day and is just like you know as as. Amical about, you know, as politically correct about it as anybody I've ever seen. He does a great job with that in that sense. It makes you know, well, conference kind of dull, but. When was the last was time a head coach responded to the opposing team's, you know, play by play analyst? I can't remember. I know, it's even in the preseason. In the preseason. Yeah. <laughs> that, that tells you where the NFL is at, is that, you know, MMQB Peter King is obviously with the Rams right now, and. One of the big stories this weekend is Bernie Kozar and Jeff Fisher, tet a tet. This is where we are, Van. It's 2013. It's the NFL that we have come to bear. But we've got callers on the line who are going to bring something a little more interesting. Hopefully they're maybe not Tuaka free, but Tuaka light. Um, we've got first caller coming out of the 573, Missouri, here to represent what's going on here on Tertial Radio. Hello. Five seven three. Oh, don't do it to us. Don't get don't get I can hear you. I hear you, friend. Daisy. Can you hear Daisy. their question by chance? At least we can answer that. Well maybe we'll come back and try again. We'll try uh caller number two out of the six one eight. What's going on? You're on Tur Show Radio. Yeah, that's you. Hello? What's going on? What's going on, Sneezy? <laughs> Hello? Hey, what's up? Hello! Wait, am I... Who is this? Is this Burke? You... Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, pay, yeah, pay attention, Jack Wagon. What? We're trying to run a show here. We're taking Allegra and... and it never said it was on. <laughs> See what I mean? You go to Illinois, they're passing out free Tuaka to make the games bearable. Sweet and <laughs> swanee. What's up, Burke? Not much, guys. 
actually went well, well, let's, let, like, let's hear your what let, let, yeah, let's get your takeaways. You watched the preseason game obviously. What did you what stood out to you in that, Bert? I mean it's preseason, so I mean I kind of just watched it with a huge grain of salt when you're watching. it's the first week of preseason, so none of what you see is gonna really yeah. matter when it comes down to it. <laughs> sure. But I mean overall I just, I kinda of like like what I've seen from all the running backs. Even Pete, even though he had the fumble, he bounced back a bit. Did oh, did a pretty nice job. But, I mean, one thing that really stops me is Brian Quick looked to be a lot more like, – he played bigger. Like, he played more yeah. confidently, which I liked a lot. And then, of course, Chris Givens continued to look pretty good. So, it's just one of those things where it's like you can't really read into it because it's the first week of preseason. But right, other right. than that, yeah. I mean, but in general, one huge problem that I saw was we just couldn't get the Browns off the field. They had plays that drives that were 10, 12, 11 plays, and they're yeah. wearing us down with short passing. But again, it was also we were playing a pretty vanilla defense that we he had none of those exotic third down looks to really spice it up. But yeah, we wanted to be able to get them off that, the field. They didn't really press the issue on that. Cause, and, I, you know, we're looking back at the game today, uh, you're watching it on second viewing, you know, where you can kind of speed it up and slow it down. I, you notice, I just like just watching like Robert Quinn and Chris Long, for example, I, you know, you notice those guys. I mean, obviously you're, they're not, not, not trying per se, but, you know, when I saw Chris Long engaged with one of the tackles, it just wasn't like, you know, the Chris Long you would see if that were a regular season game where he just is, you know, Tearing the guy to pieces, even if he's not winning the battle per se, he's still just like you know rampaging on the guy. And you didn't see that. You don't really see that in the preseason a whole lot. Yeah, I don't think you really want to either. I mean, it's just you guys were talking about it a little earlier. You just the main point of preseason that you really want to come out with saying is none of our guys got hurt. Yeah, and we got lucky with Roger Saffold. So. If we just have to give up a bunch of short passes and long drives to Cleveland, I'm fine with it as long as they're still able to come up with, like, if that's the main reason why they're doing it, which, I mean, I, from what I saw, that's pretty much what it was. We were just running basic cover two, cover three little scheme. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. it was still one of those things where you're just like, come on, guys. <laughs> I want the ball. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The, fr- the first drive was the one, <clears throat> excuse me, that was troubling because we had them in three third down situations and they converted – all three of them, and then stopped them on the last one to kick the field goal. So that those yeah. first three third down conversions was what really burned us. But to your point about uh, not motivating guys, maybe that's what we need to light a fire on them is have Roger Goodell uh, present a preseason MVP, a preseason rookie of the year, and a preseason <laughs> comeback player. Somebody who plays really badly in week one and week two of the preseason, but then week four, I mean, he has. You, you could have guys like uh, Joe Klopfenstein and Quinton Pointer this year. Maybe Quinton Pointer's in line for that comeback player of the 2013 preseason. The Chris Ogmanaya Memorial MVP Award. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just something, you know, add a little motivation and bring something for the fans. It's for the fans, guys. It's for the fans. For the fans. For the fans. <laughs> I don't know, was yeah. it, Brandon. You you watched the whole game. I know we were together and watching on Churchill Times. What what did you think about the second half? Was there anybody that you weren't really you know counting on much from this year that that made you say, okay, well maybe we need to see this guy in the first half next week? I mean, 
for actually, honestly, to be honest, exactly through the third quarter, I was losing interest and it was getting really hard to watch because it's preseason football. Losing interest or gaining Chewbacca? <laughs> Which one? Both. What? Both. Um, yeah. But, I mean, one guy that I did see a lot of I mean, that I thought did really well is Phil Lutzenkirk. And, actually, I mean, I, I was one of those people who was like, he's probably not going to make the team. But then he did look – Kellen Clemens targeted him three times on one drive, and he didn't bring in all the catches, but he did have that one really, really good catch against the sideline dragging the back foot. And that was the same mm-hmm. stuff you saw him do at Auburn. Even though, like, he doesn't have the speed, he was able to still be an okay receiving threat there. And yeah. if the Rams are going to keep four tight ends, like one of those guys, Corey Harkey, Phil Lutzenkirk, are going to have to are going to be the one to claim it. And he did a pretty nice job in that last drive to show that he can be a receiving option in the NFL, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> yeah, that was encouraging look, too. I, you know, he's a guy that is a you know sort of one of those under the radar undrafted free agents that has a, you know he's a talented guy now is probably because you know he for the fact that he was part of the Auburn offense you know <laughs> sort of like purgatory that's just or, mean that's just <laughs> mean man hey let me ask you guys uh out of these three defensive players because you mentioned Lunton Kirchner on the first on the offensive side which out of these three do you think impressed you and these were three guys who played at the back quite a bit was Cody Davis, Ray Ray Armstrong, and Rashard Hall. Did any of those three guys stand out to you? Uh, personally, I liked Ray Ray Armstrong. I mean, he plays linebacker now, but he was right. all over the field, and he looked athletic moving across the field. Like, you can see his, like, why a lot of people were really high on him and happy that the Rams got him. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's the first, his first game at linebacker, but, I mean, there's still flashes where you're like, you can see, like, you can move really well. You can do these things and these things. Yeah. and almost be a spread linebacker almost sort of look. But, I mean, I'd like to see more reps of him because, of course, he's so young and so raw. I mean, I did like what I saw. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Well, what do you get? <laughs> yeah, what about you, Ryan? What, what's your thought? Well, I was really <laughs> encouraged with Brian Quick. What I saw from Brian Quick, I was, you know, I was – Harsh on Brian Quick last year, and I was in. It was encouraging to see him play that way this week because that's the way you know he struggled with it. If you think back, you know, just the few snaps he had in the regular season last year, it's like he didn't quite know how to use that size at the NFL level like he did at App State. And you know, he was doing that yesterday. He was doing that much better. And I, this is something 3K said on Twitter the other day, but I, you know, I, it's. It, this is a guy I want to see get a lot of reps in the preseason. Obviously, he's not fighting for a roster spot. He's going to make the 53-man roster. But the more reps he gets, the difference is, you know, from being a fourth receiver to a really important third receiver with Tavon Austin and Chris Givens above him. You know what I mean? He's begging for playing time. Hey, Burke, we got Doug on the line and a couple other guys. We don't want to, we don't want to hold you back from your Tuaka binge. Be safe tonight, Burke. We care about you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, Brandon. Now Doug's got some uh Doug's got some interesting info on some CTE concussion stuff. So we should bring on I mean, the other callers. 
Dark's always got interesting info, man. Well, he, he does. That's without. true. This is very true. Does one of those guys should... who may be able to explain physics behind football better than anybody. You never know what secrets are what? being he held in. You could at least explain physics like you thought you could listen to it, and you would know, oh, yeah, that guy knows what he's talking about. Even if he did He's the Walter That's White tough, of football. Man. The Walter White of football coming out of New Mexico. Doug, I think you're on. What's going on, bro? How are you guys doing tonight? We're pretty good. Oh, good. Well, I'm sorry I've been uh, absent of late. I've been uh, doing some work for the state of New Mexico, rewriting some things, and yeah, I've been yeah, I've been enjoying the different ways to make dry and drought sound attractive, kind of things. You know, you know, if you're going to visit New Mexico, bring water. You know, (laughs) lots and lots of water. Give us your water. Wait, yeah, wait, just to make sure, we, just to make sure we're clear on this, when we when you say water, you do mean water, right? This isn't like a code word or anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just water. yeah. That's yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. Making sure this wait, is a wait, family wait. show, Doug. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually been pretty interesting. Yeah, I uh, I did some stuff for the DMV, you know, and uh, when I got the request. Um, uh, I was kind of confused, like, well, what in the world can you say good about the DMV, you know? <laughs> so I sent, I sent back this thing, um, uh, this little suggestion. So how about this? Why you should love the DMV. And the, the person on the other side goes, yeah, that's exactly what we want. Yeah, that's exactly what we want. Yeah, good luck, you know. <laughs> good. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you, you know, talking about, Talking about CTE, you know, I, in fact, uh, the Bernie Kosar thing kind of reminded me of it too. Uh, yeah. I went over the, I went over to the Browns site, and uh, a couple of our guys had dropped in there and were uh, ranking on Kosar for you know being drunk, and they were saying that it was CTE that you know he's, he has slurred speech because of it. And I kind of dovetail well into what I've been working on with this uh, e- enormous, and I mean enormous article on the subject and it's all based on this uh interview i i had with uh, dr robert stern who's mm-hmm. heading the nih study into cte in in every sport not just football in every sport mm-hmm. and I, I i hope everybody gets a chance to read it it's it's interesting stuff there's going to be uh, to me there's some bombshells in it because it seems to me like the NFL world, the media have all basically sold their their belief systems on CTE being related to suicide. And now uh, this is the lead doctor in the biggest study for CTE saying there's absolutely no tie whatsoever to suicide and CTE. Um, mm-hmm. That that it's you know it, it's a symptom of depression and that depression can be treated. Uh, yeah. Now. You know, now CTE can bring, you know can help bring on depress- depression, but uh, what he's saying is, you know, the actual uh, the actual condition, uh, it concussions. Uh, what is it? Uh, it it's it's this. Uh, I I can't remember. I've got the whole interview written out, but the bottom line is, he you know he's saying you know there's a lot of different symptoms that come out of CTE in, in you know de- you know depression, uh, you know a lack of ability to sleep, you know, slurring of words, you know, things like this. And uh, he, he was saying that the ones, the parts of that that are treatable are, you know, 
are something that somebody should get right to a doctor on. You know? and, yeah. And, uh, uh, but I think that, you know, especially the way he said it in the interview, uh, I think it's going to raise some eyebrows. Uh, one, one of the interesting things, too, is uh, I asked him, I said, just out of curiosity, is, you know, can they make a helmet that would make football safe? He said, it's impossible. He goes, it's not about, he said, we're not looking at just, you know, head up, head to head uh, hits now, or, you know, hits to the head. So the mm-hmm. body itself is jarred. It's, and he, uh, he, he called it a shock syndrome. So he said somebody can get a concussion by, by let's say, a 250-pound linebacker hitting a 175-pound Devon Austin, uh-huh. and hitting him in the chest and, you know, literally jarring his entire body, you know. So yeah, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Well, now, did he say anything just in terms of the thing that, like, you mentioned CTE, but, like, what about, I mean, some of the other neurological disorders that aren't necessarily directly yeah. linked, but, you know, the, like uh, Parkinson's or ALS or some of the other, you know, the, the some of these things that the guys that you, you, you hear so much about who are, you know, claiming that this this is a result of head repeated head trauma over the years. Did he, what did he say about that? Well, uh, interesting thing, okay, and this is something that I'm really finding, uh, uh, again, it's going to be, it, 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 like I said, it's kind of a bombshell because he told me flat out there is absolutely no way to diagnose CTE in a living person. That mm-hmm. is, they, they can only diagnose it in a postmortem. So how the NFL uh, players who are suing are going to be able to prove that they have mm-hmm. CTE is beyond me. Um, yeah. I, in fact, I saved this one question. I was laughing about it, but um, you know, being me, I uh, I said, look, okay, you know, doctor, I've saved this last question for la- you know, this question for last because you know, I'm sure you're going, you were probably hung up on me, but uh, what's you know, after I did my research into all the different you know, Alzheimer's and you know, all these different situations, I said, and, and conditions, I said. How can you tell the difference between CTE and mad cow? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Kreutzfeldt Jakob's uh, uh, disease, and uh, and I, you know, used the analogy of uh, Boston Legal and Denny Crane saying, you know, he didn't have Alzheimer's, he had mad cow, and he kind of got a chuckle out of that. But he said, in point of fact, question. He said, in point of fact, that question isn't stupid at all. It's actually actually very smart because we cannot tell the difference between the two at this point. Uh, wow. We we, yeah, and he said that's what we're aiming at right now. That he said the entire purpose of their study um, is to find a way to diagnose different brain um, conditions mm-hmm. while people are still alive. Yeah, uh, you know, Alzheimer's can be can be detected, but some of the same things like plaque on the uh, on the um, on the brain neurons and things like that, yeah, that can that can be evident in other conditions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, like I say, this is interesting stuff, and the guy was really nice. I mean, just great to talk, give me the time. Um, I, hats off to you, Ryan, because uh, he came over to the site to check out, make sure I wasn't some kind of, you know, <laughs> whack dude, and uh, he was impressed with the site, impressed with what we do at, at, at Turf Show Times. Good. good. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, in fact, you read my article on uh, 
Oh, what is his name? Um, Jarvis Jones? Uh, before the, yeah, before Jarvis the Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was very impressed with that. Uh, and he basically went, uh, we spent a long time on the phone talking about the, the different uh, different things going on. Yeah. Uh, the suicide thing, I'm telling you, that is that just flies right in the face. In fact, by the way, just so you know, I did ask him. I said, okay, out of the, the – I said, I don't know if you can tell me this or not, but how many people in your study are participating in the NFL lawsuit? Mm-hmm. And he kind of got quiet a little bit, uh, but he said, I honestly do not know. He said, but in the same token, I really don't care. You know, he yeah. doesn't. But uh, he's got a lot of ex-NFL players coming up there. He has hockey mm-hmm. players. He has baseball players. He yeah. has soccer players. He has all sorts of people in this study. And, it, I mean, it's an enormous study. He's out of Boston University. Mm-hmm. Uh He's a director of their uh, neuropsychology unit, uh, mm-hmm. but he has Harvard, he has uh, Johns Hopkins, all of these people answering to him that are running concurrent studies under his NIH, NIH grant. Uh-huh. So, yeah, this is a big thing, uh, but uh, I'm a, I was absolutely thrilled that he took the time, the good stuff. Yeah. Now, is this is this a study? It's an ongoing thing, or, or do they have like a target date where they want to publish some results? Or I did not ask him that. I, I have a feeling it's one of those things we're searching till we find the answer. Yeah, yeah. I uh, uh, and I'm sure that's when somebody's going to say, "Hey, you know," because one of the things I asked him, and again, I'm a neophyte. I didn't know, you know, certain things, and so I asked him, "I, you know, look." You're saying that it's because the brain rattles around. Does everybody have the same amount of brain fluid, and is it the same viscosity in every person? Is that something mm-hmm. that you could look at? You know, is that yeah. something you could look at and say, you know, hey, uh, maybe you shouldn't play this sport because you don't have, you know, five gallons of. He, he actually called it Jello. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> but he actually, but he said it's really actually a watery substance, but. He said, you know, you need this, and, but he said it's he said it's fairly relative with every single person. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I asked him some off-the-cuff questions, and he answered right away. Um, uh, good stuff, though. That's quite a score. That'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to that because this is – it's like you see, I mean, there is so much – there's the known and the unknown about it and, and what we, you know, what we don't know. And I think it just applies to brain research probably in general, not just even around the issue of concussions and stuff, but it's just sort of that, you know, it's a part of the body we don't, we know so little about. Well, you know, in fact, uh, Dr. Stern did say, he said, the re- he, because I, I said, well, I sure hope that some of this research can help in you know, Alzheimer's and these other um, conditions. He said, honestly, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Because we ha- we have these people that are not in the absolutely um, diminished capacity phase of Alzheimer's and things like this. These are these are people that are still functional. These are people that are not very high up in age. These people are having these these symptoms. Uh, yeah. And we can talk to them. Yeah. We can get. We can get accurate histories. We can get yeah. all of these things, and we can. And he said, in point of fact, you know, he said, you know, we aren't just aiming at football. We're, you know, we're trying to understand what happens to the brain itself. 
Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you guys, guys a question because we're being so serious, and you know my job is pretty much to bring levity to the to the show radio. Should we just wear a helmet at all times? Should I wear a helmet just to go to sleep? Like just just in well, case. You know, Should I wear a helmet Stern, at all times? According to Doctor Stern, that really wouldn't help. So I mean, I'm not saying everybody should you know just throw their helmets away, but according to him, you know the the uh, overall body shock quotient of you know being you know just being jarred can slap yeah. the brain around in the old brain pan, and yeah, in fact, you know, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, you know, wearing a helmet is a smart thing, but uh, yeah. you know, he he made it sound that you know you can't really be tied into any one situation or any one um, uh, uh, event. Because I asked him yeah. too, you know, can they trace this to a single event? You know, can they trace this condition to a single event, or is it you know, you know? And, and he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, let's say you know, hey, I, you know. I've been slapped in the head a bunch of times, you know, all the way through my life. And, I, and that's probably why I write. And, mm-hmm. he, uh, and, <laughs> well, and yeah, and he said, um, he said, we can't, he said, no, he said, we cannot trace this to a, uh, a single event. Uh, it does not happen that way in our research so far. Uh, there's just no way to, you know, and again, I think it kind of throws a big monkey wrench in what the NFL's lawsuit could be, or mm-hmm. excuse me, a, a lawsuit against the NFL could be. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I don't know. You know, I didn't mean to take up your show with uh, CTE talk because uh, it doesn't look like the guys in the in the thread are real thrilled about it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important. No, it's, because, it's, I mean, I think it, it's the future of the sport sort of hinges on you know the research being conducted around this and how football is played. I mean, you look at the changes that have been made just since Roger Goodell, you know, testified in front of Congress in 2009. I mean, you've had massive rule changes in the game. I mean, you know, the and some of them are smart. You know, the, I think you could look at the, some of the kickoff rules they've made. And like, there's no reason for guys, you know, just to kamikaze the shit out of each other on a kickoff. And then you look at the the crown of the helmet rule, which a lot of there's a lot of argument, and we haven't seen that play out yet because this is the first season that's been in place. But the crown of the helmet rule was in this regard, especially to running backs, and a lot of players will say, well, that doesn't, you know, that takes away your ability to protect yourself and opens you up, makes you more susceptible to injury. So I don't, you know, it's a, it's the changes that have been made, and then depending on what they, you know, what they start to discover through this research is just, you know, that will further shape the game of football. And then by definition, I mean, I think as you start to change the game, depending on how much it changes, you start to talk about, you know, the the marketability, the sales aspect of it, and all the other meta-level stuff that come with football. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I know this. I I firmly believe the game of football is not going anywhere. Uh, Yeah, they might, you know, change some rules and uh, maybe even a limited kickoff, like I, I read a few weeks ago, that uh, mm-hmm. about doing that and just starting the game off at the 25-yard line, I think. And, uh, and maybe they'll do that. I don't know. But, you know, in the same token, it's a, it's a, it's the same choice as somebody that smokes cigarettes. You know, I mean, yeah. it sounds really simplistic. You know, yeah. uh, but, you know, you're going to – you're going to take risks because that's what you've decided you want to do or, or that's what you like. And, um, 
you know, you're going to, I think you're going to live with the consequences. Yeah, and I think as a fan, too, you have to read fans that are like, oh, I can't watch it at the effects of it. Well, I mean, that's sort of a personal choice. I mean, you have to choose to, it's just like, you know, boxing or MMA or hockey or anything like that. I mean, you sort of choose to watch that based on a variety of reasons or not watch it, as it were. So, I, I know, it's, it's interesting. Look, pretty much we're yeah. all in agreement then. In, in about 25 years, we should all just watch Antique Roadshow and we'll all be good. Yeah, well, well you, if you know, Antique like Roadshow had concussions in it, just think how good it would be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. Yeah, you know, Antique Roadshow Extreme. <laughs> yeah, you know, sculpture duels at 20 paces, that kind of thing. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Doug, we got a couple other guys on the line. I, I think it's fair to say you will be our most cerebral guest of the night unless I'm underplaying who else is coming on after you. Okay, great talk to you guys. Have a good night. <laughs> hey, thanks, Take care, bro. Doug. Good to hear you, bud. Bye. If, if there's anybody to come on and make us sound really, really stupid, it's Doug. Yeah, absolutely. That's Doug. Doug. Doug's a good dude. I'm really looking forward to this article. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, it should be awesome. But it. I, I think that brings – it reminds me of one of my central tenets of life, which is most people say, like, the body is a temple. It's so beautiful. No, the body sucks, man. Our bodies suck. Has anybody ever thought about their knees and been like, man, I really like the way my knees work? Mm, my ankles, <laughs> they sure are built well for these curves and sidewalks. Our bodies suck, dude. Like, from the time we're three – we're constantly scraping stuff and knocking shit. Like, your entire Absolutely. life is a fight against your body. Well, and if you think about it, not to, get, to continue the scientific talk, but you know, if you look at hum, humans on the evolutionary timescale of things, we haven't really been walking upright for a, a whole long time here. And all those things, just bad knees and the brain pan and and you know, your opposable thumbs and the way your feet, the arches of your feet work, all those are changes from, you know, evolving into bipedal animals. And that's sort of still, that process is still playing itself out. And now here we are, we're evolving into sitting on your ass animals all day. So that's, who knows? Who knows where we're going with that, 3K? And maybe it is a good tangent to be had. Pringle arm. And my arm is automatically attached to a can of Pringles, and I can feed Pringles into my mouth every day. Every, everybody's fingers will double in length over the next 40 years to be able to reach down to the bottom of the Pringle can. <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, I was going to say, maybe there's a good tangent here between talking defensive and offensive lines. I saw that uh, radio DJ and Champ were talking about, uh, or I guess it was just L.A. Champ, was talking about the lines. Uh, you know, I used to work on a farm when I was young in the summers with my family, and I will say this about cows. They, cows are the dumbest animal on earth. There, there shouldn't be any argument. Cows are just fucking stupid. But I will say this. I've seen cows run full steam ahead, face first, into a brick wall. And then as soon as they do it, there's no after effect. They're just angry that the wall was there. Cows' bodies are built really well. That's all I'm going to say. So we're talking about how crappy humans' bodies are. We're pretty smart <laughs> animals. Maybe there's a sliding scale here. We got the crappy bodies and the great minds with abstract thought and all that. Cows got wonderful bodies that hold up to all kinds of physical damage. They just can't tell their asshole from their mouth. That's right. We're no cows. We are no cows. No cows. How about a segue to another caller from the 417? There's Turks Radio. We're talking about cows. What's going on? 
Man, cows? Cows. That's where, that, so maybe that's the segue here. We're talking about the line earlier, and now we're talking about cows. Uh, who is this? This is uh, this is John. Man, I thought we were talking about rams. I never knew we were talking about cows. <laughs> it's a sliding scale. You get a little bit of everything. You get a little bit of everything. It's a short podcast. step from cows to rams. Hey, did you watch the game on uh, Thursday? Yeah, man, I sure did. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, nobody's really talking about that much. Y'all's talked about it a little bit. But, man, Brian Quick was balling out, wasn't he? He had, the, he yeah, had probably his best game in uniform, right, man? Wouldn't you say? I think his best game a, as a pro, as you know, with the Rams, period. Regular season, preseason, everything. And that's not a fly. I mean, the guy played well last night, Thursday night. Well, John, let me you, ask you, you this. Do know you brought who, up who Brian. called that, right? Say what? what? I said you do know who called that. Said he was going to have the best, one of the best games of his uh, career. I'm going to guess you. No, not me. Superman uh, knows. Let that on her show dies. A Superman knows. You know, Superman, we may have to do some digging on this Quinn. guy. He might be onto something here. Yeah, super. He said Superman knows. Brian Quick is going to have a great game. And boom. Well, <laughs> I will be paying attention to Superman moving forward. Hey, John, let me ask you this. One of the things I've said is that Brian Quick is one of those guys who has maybe the most room uh, in terms of where he's at to his ceiling for this preseason. Is there is there anybody else you think could have a a bigger preseason than Brian Quick, given where he was at a year ago? Is there anybody that you're looking for to really have an impressive preseason? To be honest with you guys, I'm I'm looking for Austin Pettis to show out. I mean, you hear all these things. I've read article after article. He's going to ball out. He's doing great. He's the veteran leadership. But then he don't. You know, he didn't really show up in the game whatsoever. So yeah, I you know I, I like Pettis, and I think, but I think you know he sort of is who he is. He's a guy that's probably pretty. You know, he's not on the same like. Places like you can go back and think about Brandon Gibson, how frustrating Brandon Gibson was because sometimes he would have those plays or those games or those series. Like, you know, like go back to that Miami game where he just made that incredible catch on that one handed catch to, on the sidelines yeah. in that Miami game. He does stuff like that all the time, but he fills in the gaps between those places with just this, like, you know, head slapping, what the hell are you doing kind of play. Now, Pettis is a little different because he doesn't. You know, he doesn't just totally disappear and make, you know, make those kind of mistakes like, you know, Gibson could do on some occasions. You know, just when he'd get the trust, he would, you know, fumble it or something like drop the pass. Pettis yeah. is, you know, I worry about Pettis because he's fairly limited with his quickness and everything. I, if he if he can maintain his good hands, I think Pettis is a really good weapon for, you know, another option on, you know, short yardage, first down, heavy traffic, that sort of thing where he can kind of go up and get it because he's got that size. Well, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that I was – well, I know it's preseason and vanilla and, you know, so on and so forth. Don't take nothing away from it. But I'm looking at our safeties, and I'm, I am I want to see something that makes me say, yeah, you know, they're flashier, flashier. Really didn't see much. I've seen missed tackles. I've seen sloppy play. I mean, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely. You saw there was a lot of that to be seen with the safeties. Thursday night. I think that's, you yeah, know, that's and I a think good that's... story to watch from this week to next week when the Rams come back on the Absolutely. Because T.J. McDonald is a young guy. He's got talent, but this is his first game in uniform. So 
oh, I want to see, you know, does he go back? Is he doing the little things that he didn't do this week? Like just, like I told 3K a little earlier on the show, it's like I saw the guy making good angles, and I was really happy to see that. But then he would miss the tackle. Well, that's a fairly correctable thing. You know what I mean? So I think that's what you look for next week with TJ McDonald. Now the other safeties too, but especially McDonald. Right, right. Yeah, well, one more thing. One of the things that – oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Well, sorry oh, I'm sorry about – sorry to cut you off, sorry, Kay. Go no, ahead. Man. No, uh, I was only going to say that one of the things that was interesting was that, you know, in playing against Brandon Whedon and the Browns, I think the Rams were con- really, really considerate about keeping everything in front of them. Um, and you look at, you know, what they did from a uh, passing standpoint. Sam Bradford completed five passes for 102 yards. Brandon Whedon completed 10 passes, twice as many for just 112. So I think there was a difference that Bradford and the Rams were really opening it up, and they were letting, and it's kind of a bit of a 2012 redux, where they were letting everything happen in front of them. Uh, And they were complacent to do so. The problem was was that Whedon and the Browns were really efficient early on. So even though they weren't getting tons of yards per pass, uh, they were able to convert on third down and keep drives going. And I think it's going to be interesting going into next week when you face, obviously, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers early in the game with a passing offense that can really move the ball around. I haven't seen if Randall Cobb's going to play, but, uh, I mean, that's an offense that can move intermediate deep down the field where your safeties really have to be aware of what's going on deep as opposed to keeping everything in front of them. So I don't know that they had a huge opportunity to do anything flashy from a passing defense standpoint, uh, but like but like Ryan was saying with that, they needed to make plays in front of them, and I think that's where they were missing the technique to really finish a play that they had put themselves in position to do, which is at least a good first step. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't know if you boys have ever been to Wisconsin or not, but that's where I'm sitting right now in La Crosse, Wisconsin, so I get to watch the game here on local TV. Uh-huh. And, uh, Anyway, but I was, I was just I was talking to a, a Packers fan here earlier, and he was going on the Packers and this, and uh, they were going to be great. And I said, yeah. I said, well, uh, I'm a Rams fan. He said, well, oh. He said, well, I'm sorry. I said, you're sorry? He, he said, yeah. He said, sorry about that. Anyway, uh, we conversation got carrying on a little farther. I said, well, let me ask you something. He said, what's that? I said you've lost uh, you've lost Jordy Nelson or not Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings plus Donald Driver. What where where's your offense going to come from? And he said, but you know he went on and on. I said, all right, well I bet him a hundred bucks on this uh, first team versus first team points uh-huh. after both first teams are off of the field. Hundred bucks, whoever uh, has the most points on the board. <laughs> There you go. That's good. I think I would take that bet right now. You know, maybe I'm loopy, but I I think I think you might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Well, you boys have a good night. I gotta go. I appreciate your confidence, John. Take it easy, bro. Good call from John out of Wisconsin, man. I like that. I like having people, you know, from the the unpredictable locales calling in. That's right. The, the the wide world over. 3K, do we have one more caller we can bring in and wrap it up here? We got we got two quick ones we can knock out. This one's from 618. I'm not sure if I'm bringing on Burke again. We'll have to play it by ear. What's going on? 618 Missouri, you're on Tertial Radio. Uh, yeah, Joe, it's me again. Hi. <laughs> hey, Brandon, give, well, give us an update. What's been going on in your life in the last 20 minutes since you were on Tertial Radio? I'm playing FIFA. <laughs> you're playing FIFA. Is there the Tuaka still there? <laughs> <laughs> 
Is there any Tuaka left? There's any what? <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus, he's gone. I've got to, I've got to hang up on him now. It's only going to get uglier. We got one more caller coming out of five hundred one. What's going on here on Tertio Radio? Hello. 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 Hey, hey what's Hello? going on, man? Who's this? It's Tevin. What's on your mind? Kevin. You know oh God. You know, first, man. I'm, I'm oh my God. I got to start off with something. I got to start off with something. I'm upset. Hold right on. Let me, let me go. Oh I'm, God. No. It's I'm Kevin. upset. I'm upset. I'm, I'm upset. All right. What's so. Up? Y'all knew I wanted to call, but instead of just waiting on me to call, y'all yeah. answered like four or five people. But y'all knew I was going to call, and that that, that kind of hurt. <laughs> like, I, y'all want to put everything on hold. <laughs> you got to like, I didn't know. You know I'm a very democratic producer for this show. Van runs the show. I'm the producer. I was going in the queue based on who called in first. It's a first-come, first-serve, very egalitarian system. You happened to call last. I think Coles was holding you out. I'm surprised they even let you call. You may be in the stock room right now calling us. I, but, hey, is it, are you calling from a Coles phone? Is this a Coles I had, phone you're calling? I had to hide from one of the managers so I could call. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Which I knew I was going to call man. But, you know, I'm, 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 I'm watching the game. And, you know, I'm going to start off with this. You know, Isaiah Peter is as bad as everybody keeps saying he is. I'm, I'm hurt. And, you know, he well, had one hey. fumble. Lamar Miller had one fumble. Adrian Peterson had countless fumbles during his career. But, you know, nobody ever, nobody talked about the good that Isaiah P did that game. He averaged around six yards a carry. He he did a good he did a good pancake. He pancake uh number fifty two, I forgot his name. He laid him out. You know, he 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 laid him, just knocked him out. He he didn't come back I didn't see him come back in the game the same. And then, you know, on that pass that Sam Bradford stared Austin Pettit down, I was there people right there wide open, but Sam Bradford didn't want the easy completion. You know. But <laughs> I mean, I'm, I still say that Isaiah Peter is the most talented running back on the roster. In, in terms of nat- I, yeah, I would say this. And, in terms of natural talent, I would agree. But there are always people for whom natural talent doesn't surface when it comes game time. And I think that's been his problem. And I think to a degree that's what the fumble represented was that here was an opportunity early in a preseason game to make a mark when you had – some of the better players in the game, and a fumble, obviously, like Lamar Miller, it has a stigma, and it only increases a stigma for those players who get drafted high, like Lamar uh, Miller and Isaiah Pete, whereas other guys who may not be blessed with the natural athleticism that he has, when they don't fumble, it only augments the case for them to get more time. So I think what we need to see from Isaiah Pete, and I think it's fair that, and I'm glad that he's got supporters like yourself, he needs to be able to put something together early in the game the way Daryl Richardson does, the way that Daryl Richardson comes in the game early on, first quarter in a preseason game, and knocks out four, five, six-yard runs. Yes, he has a drop, but he's able to comp- you know, to c- compete and provide something throughout early in the game that Isaiah I, Pete hasn't to this point. Is that I, fair? I tell you, here's, what, here's the real issue I, I've found. Here's the real thing with Isaiah Pete right here. Real All thing. Right, here we go. Matt Brown wanted him as a defensive back. That's a double dagger. You went after Isaiah Pete and Texas. Tevin, Tevin's <laughs> tearing down the wallpaper in the back room of Coles right now. Why? Why? 
<laughs> no, that's messed up. I think it's fair. I think it's somewhere in between. I mean, obviously, you've got a level of support for him that not a lot of people share, but I think he's taken some unfair criticism, the fact that, you know, he had some things working against him last year, and obviously – you know, the fumble just didn't help, but it's a really short sample size. I'm interested to see what kind of a preseason Pete has from here on out. I, I think it'll be pretty good. But how did, how did y'all feel about Ogletree? I was disappointed. I, I, you know, I, I thought I was expecting more. But, you know, I, especially because he was in coverage so much and just did nothing with that. that you know, and how much you, you heard it. You saw him in coverage at Georgia. You you know what that's like. I mean, he plays well in coverage, and you didn't see any of that. But, I don't know, I wasn't too upset because it was the first game, too. You know what I mean? He kind of he disappointed me. You know, I'm rewatching the game, man. I seen the draw he missed. I seen Dion yeah. Lewis. Dion Lewis, I think he shook him. Like, one of the, I think maybe the first run of the game. Yeah. Dion Lewis had a pretty good game, though. He had a solid game. Yeah, Dion Lewis looked yeah, great. He, he got him a couple times. Yeah. He did. I think Alec is one of those guys who's going to take a little bit to fit his athleticism to the game, especially where he's at at linebacker. That's not a position that lends itself to natural athleticism, right? Guys that you see on the outside, like William Golston and all the ends that flail out, and then you see middle linebackers who are built on certain kinds of athleticism that aren't there. Generally, linebackers take something more like James Laurinaitis, right? Technicians. Uh, Brian Erlacher, guys whose technique lends themselves to be able to progress along that learning curve without having to rely on physical traits. So, you know, it's kind of the opposite working against Ogletree where he's got to learn the mental game now with NFL. Yeah. And, yeah, to a degree, that was what was lacking at Georgia. He was faster and big, and even to a degree bigger than so many people on the field. He always knew that was a fallback, especially as good as that defense was at Georgia last year. You know, Jarvis Jones, yeah. a defensive line that was pretty stacked, and guys at the back, he's kind of got to learn the game of football to a, little, to a degree, especially for this defense and the role he's going to have. So, yeah, he's another guy kind of like Pete who has to has to learn some things, learn the game a little bit this preseason. I think the difference is Isaiah P is a year behind and has missed some playing time where it's kind of obvious that they're going to try to force Ogletree into the situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, man, Ogletree looked like the weak link out there. He could cover it. <laughs> In the middle, yeah. but I think part of that too is when you look at the Rams' defense, everybody else in that front seven is pretty strong, starting wise. Yeah, I you know I, I saw a play, and it wasn't a big play; it wasn't one you really would have noticed. But I was I, I was glad to see because I mean it just it was first quarter. Robert Quinn, man, ran down the ran down Deion Lewis, took him down. You know, basically around the line of scrimmage, might have been a one or two yard gain on, on first down, but yeah, Robert Quinn blew it up. I was glad to see that, using that speed on the outside a little bit like that. And I, mean, that was the, I think that was the play. Wasn't that the play where after that he came up a little uh, a little limp? Well, <laughs> yeah, probably, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been that play. I think it was, because I think after that he took – not necessarily to say he took a play, a couple plays off, but he didn't look 100%. And we know Robert yeah. Quinn, I mean, obviously in terms of regular season, like you were saying from Chris Long earlier, I mean, yeah, how much do you want those guys to go 100% in the preseason with the with the threat of an injury exactly. looming exactly. horizon? Exactly. Well, Tevin, we're, we're trying to wrap this up, but I know if we're going to talk draft and, and the college season, you're, you're as good as anybody to come in here. What are you expecting for let, – let's go to Texas, and you can branch it out from there to the Big 12. What are you looking at for the college season this year with just a couple weeks to go before we start? No, honestly, you know, I'll talk about yes, Texas honestly. in a second, but 
I, I want to see Michael. I want to see Michael Dyer and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I want to see okay. how they work out a little bit. I mean, Texas, well, of course, we're gonna win ten games, win the Big Twelve, and go on to play for the BCS yeah. title bowl. That's a given. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody knows David Ash is so incredible. What, 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 is there anybody on Texas that you like for the Rams besides David Ash? Don't even bring his name up. Ooh, besides David Ash. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I think that's it. David Ash is one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. So He overshadows everybody. <laughs> that, that bias game is strong. I'm impressed. Even on a Saturday night, you really you were you're willing to ride the burnt orange till it dies. Well, hey, Ted, I appreciate you calling, man. Go to your manager back to phone. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Right, Take care, Ted. He's a trip, man. No, what do you it's think? Always, it's, it's always good to hear Kevin. Kevin's, it's Kevin's always, a good yeah, dude. It's always good to have him on the Kevin's show. one of the guys that I worry about while he calls him. Like, shouldn't you be somewhere else? Shouldn't you be calling him right now, Kevin? Come on. Yeah, other responsibilities. <laughs> there, there was a couple of questions in the chat room and in the thread talking about draft. What do you think? I mean, we've got a couple of weeks before it goes. What do you think, man? I'm interested to get your take. If, you, if you're trying to project this team and, let's say, draft needs, uh, next April. What what are some positions, and maybe there's only one or two positions that you think, okay, the Rams have two first round picks. What the what the hell are they going to do with them next April? Well, you know one thing, I, I'm, I'm I'm feeling very optimistic, so I'm assuming, and I think Washington's actually going to be a good team this year too, as long as RG three is healthy. But I, I think uh, I think that the Rams will probably have two fairly low picks in the draft. I mean, you know. Low in the in, in the bottom half, probably Early bottom. 20s, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I I I don't think any you're going to get much higher than 26 or 20, you know, something like that. But anyway, I think you have two picks in that section of draft. I'll be really interested to see um, what offensive tackles are there. I mean, obviously that's not a place where you're going to get an Eric Fisher or Jake Matthews next year, but uh, it's a place where you can get, um, you know, you can get a solid starting tackle, even if he is not ready to play in his rookie year. But I think that's, well, sure. that's, to me, a place where the Rams really need to start building up depth because Jake Long's great, but that's really not – I mean, it's a long-term deal, but it's you look at how it's structured and everything like that, the Rams are pretty well protected. You don't – I mean, and Jake Long's probably not somebody – if he stays healthy, then you can count on him. But right now, I don't anticipate Jake Long staying healthy for three to four seasons, and you need to be ready to replace him. Saffold's a free agent next year. I mean, they've got yeah, exactly. some guys in Barksdale, but it's not, you know. Anywho. Yeah, if, there, if there's an obvious replacement position. Really I, yeah, I agree with you. I think right tackle is one that stands out because, as you said, Saffold, a contract ends. Uh, between the injuries, it's hard to say that he's obviously got a ton of value out there on the market, although he's a talented yeah. guy. And I think what makes it even more difficult is you've got a ton of right tackles who are going to be eligible in the right in the next draft. Uh, Tennessee, you could argue that both of their tackles, Juwan James and Antonio Richardson, yeah. could play on the right side. Central Henderson has a ton of potential. He's kind of like a Ray Ray uh, Armstrong, who going into his final year has a ton of potential, hasn't put it together. The difference was yeah. Armstrong got suspended. Henderson's going to play. Um, you got Morgan Moses, a guy I really like. I started talking about last year at Virginia, plays right tackle. Yeah. Uh, Cornelius Lucas, and obviously Jake Matthews, although Jake Matthews is probably, you know, people talked about him as a mid-first rounder last year as a right tackle. He moves over to the left to replace Luke Jokel. I don't know that he's going to be there when the Rams are picking, but you never know. You could, 
he can have a mediocre season and drop down a little bit and be there when the Rams are ready. So I think it's a, it's a good year to need a right tackle. Yeah, and that's what – I mean, I think you start thinking about depth there. I think you start – let's, you know, let's not vote for subject, but let's see how Sam Bradford plays this season too. Or, God forbid, injuries or anything like that. You know, you got to start thinking yeah. about – I really think, I, I really think you know, you find the depth. I mean, it's probably not a bad time to get another pass rusher. I mean, are you going to be able to keep Robert Quinn and Chris Long at premium pass rusher prices? You know what I mean? That's one of the things I talked about to Thorman about when he was in town was that as good as as Robert Quinn and Chris Long are, they're I mean that's a thin thin position, man. And I don't know that if you look, everybody remembers what happened last year when uh, the 49ers lost Justin Smith and it made Alden Smith look pretty pedestrian. Uh, Yeah. A lot lot of the times it's not just about the individual skills. It's about the complementary guys that force offensive lines to face them up one-on-one, and that's where guys win. When you lose the guy that forces that, and they can concentrate on shutting you down, whether that's Long or Quinn, whichever one in this hypothetical if we lose them, you know, I I think that makes things tougher. I think maybe the other position for the Rams that, as we pointed out earlier, that may be up for grabs, maybe T.J. McDonald really settles in and has their rookie year. But, you know, you talk about Darian Stewart, and obviously there's a reason why Cody Davis wasn't a high draft pick is maybe getting a complimentary safety early on. And maybe not first round, but, you know, two first rounders and a second rounder. Obviously the Rams have shown a proclivity to move those early day one picks around. Maybe they move down a little bit, stockpile third, fourth round, and grab a safety. Yeah, absolutely. It's a and it's a big year, and this is you know the Rams with two first round picks. You don't forget we have, no matter how depressed, if you should happen to get depressed this, during this season, we still have two first round picks next year. That's really nice, <laughs> nice thing to have. Especially today. There are a few season. things. There are a few things that should have us excited more about the future. I guess I, guess I got one more draft point to get, to throw out there before we close it down was. Something I mentioned on Twitter today, I was watching the Fiesta Bowl the other day with Oregon in it. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Rams went ahead and grabbed the Anthony Thomas on day two out of Oregon. And, yes, he's, you know, the kind of player for running back that Tavon Austin was at wide receiver. But mm-hmm. think about the idea of having two Tavon Austins on the same offense. De- oh, you yeah. have DeAnthony Thomas and Tavon Austin. I, I can see DeAnthony Thomas running a faster 40 than Tavon Austin does. How how would you be able to use that much speed on a single team? Is that is that too much to ask? I don't know. That would be. It might be. You wonder because all the other parts. I mean, how well does the linemen keep you? Do you have the linemen to play with that kind of speed? It's, it's interesting. You'd have, to, you'd have to switch all your linemen to wide receivers to be able to get down to the second level. It was just a thought I was throwing out there because, I mean, the, the running back <laughs> so class next year. Five, but, you'd have to have some sort of Wisconsin <laughs> formation where there's like 40 <laughs> men lined up across the field. <clears throat> It would be one of those things. Rams come out in the wing tee. They switch out to the wishbone. Now they're looking at a 4-3 offense. I've never seen this before. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to play with the, with the formations a little bit. But you look at the class coming down. It's a good running back class, but almost everybody's pretty traditional running backs. If you look at DeAnthony Thomas and maybe Dre Archer, uh, maybe those are your two, you know, offensive weapons. But I was just thinking about, about that. I was like, you know. running backs, Paul. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, you know, it, there's no reason the Rams could make a luxury pick on day two, bringing DeAnthony Thomas, and that would be – as much as we talked about how difficult the offense would be to to craft around Tavon Austin, throw DeAnthony Thomas in there, and that's uh, 
that may be too much for Schottenheimer or any other offensive coordinator to make sure that you're getting put two guys open in space every play. That's tough. Well, and that's an interesting. That's going to be an interesting. Um, that's an interesting person to watch for the Rams this year too, because a lot of Tavon, a guy like Tavon Austin, comes down to how you, you know, do you let the game come to him and just kind of use him naturally, or do you try to make, you know, outsmart yourself and and write a script specifically for Tavon Austin? Because a player like that is tempting to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that was was one of the things that I wrote about, I think it was the wide receiver big board, was how many of those guys, their their draft fortunes largely revolve around guys like Randall Cobb and Tavon Austin to see, you know, is is the NFL too rigid and conservative outside of maybe the Eagles with Chip Kelly? Is yeah. it ready for players like that who have found systems that they can thrive in at the college level, but they get to the NFL and the NFL systems and coaches who have, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, made their made their bones the last thirty years? Look, if you're Pat Shermer and you get to the position that you get, you get the head coaching position because you've run that kind of offense. Why would you change it? I mean, you you got to where you were because of the system you ran. And, yeah, it's conservative, but you've got a head coaching position. There's no reason for you to go ahead and just and change everything now. That's you know? the other and, rule and say what you I will. think a lot of coaches in the NFL, a lot of coordinators go conservative, and coaches too because the jobs are so fucking hard to get and yes, hard to hang on Absolutely. To. I mean, you don't have, the, you, you don't have the, the long term, and you can always find another job in college. But it's, it's sure. hard and to if you try too hard, always, If you try too hard to be outside the box, then you become that guy who was too radical, and why didn't he just stick to what works? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Who, exactly. Who the hell knows? You can always be Nick Saban. will love a failure of something like that. You know, you, <laughs> yeah, and you can always – You can if, hear if, it if there's a between fault. every tweet that, that <laughs> the NFL, like the old school NFL media makes, you can hear – almost hear it. Like, I want the read option to die a cruel, sudden death. <laughs> When can we get back to Even four running back formations? That's right. I miss fullbacks. No, I was going to say if there's a fallback, it's always that you could pull a Nick Saban and come up to the NFL and fail miserably, and then immediately go to college and be the best college <laughs> yeah, coach of the decade. Only, so. like, only Nick Saban and Steve Spurrier can do that. Is it? Doesn't that say so much about the dichotomy between NFL and college that you can be so bad at the NFL level and then go back and be just so damn good in college? It's a, it's a completely different world, and I think that's one of the things that gets lost in the draft. As somebody who loves it NFL is, and college football, and with too, it's like not only can you be good at college, you can be pretty much the best coach of your generation. Pretty much, pretty much. But, I mean, you know, yeah. who knows? Maybe this is Spurrier's year. Maybe this is the old ball coach's year to ride Jadavion Clowney. And maybe you know when if he's able to ride that season to a number one overall pick, who know who knows? Maybe it's Jadavion Clowney to join Jared Cook in St. Louis. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Had to throw that no. out for the Clowney fans. You never know. No, you never know. You never know. I'm sure there'll be some. I'm sure there'll be some comments. Let's trade those two picks for Jadavion Clowney. We'll pull an RG3 for today, the young club. What are you, Van, what are you looking forward to on Saturday against the Packers? Well, on Saturday against the Packers, um, I, you know, I'm interested to see, because this is, you know, the Packers use if Randall Cobb plays and how much he plays. I think that's a really good test for this defense. I mean, you know, they're going to stick to vanilla stuff. They're not going to do that. But, you know, they're not going to want to give up 40, 50, 60-yard dips to – gets to Cobb, and, and Cobb's an interesting player, and there's, Green Bay's really smart in how they 
you know, and how they use Cobb in, in so many different ways. And I, I think that's that's going to be an interesting look at the defense, especially we've spent so much time tonight talking about linebackers and safeties. Sure. Hey, did you get a chance to watch that Packers Cardinals game? I haven't. I haven't yet. Yeah, I, I was watching the, this morning, and I'll be honest, Green Bay looked uh, pretty pretty bad, even early. I thought Aaron Rodgers he was pretty efficient, uh, but he lost uh, one drive out early in the game and didn't come back. But uh, they got blanked 17 to nothing, so it's not as if they're a yeah. preseason powerhouse or as if the backups were all that overwhelming. So I think this is maybe a good opportunity for the Rams' backups to come in. Now, maybe they don't have as much to gain uh, like Arizona, a team that's playing out of the bottom, and some of those second-string mm-hmm. guys know that there's an opportunity for them among the starting players. You had you know, Drew Stanton, Ryan Lindley, obviously, playing behind Carson Palmer, so they know that there's a good chance that they show up uh, as opposed to, you know, like Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell's not going to supplant Aaron Rodgers, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but even among the receivers in <clears throat> Green Bay, who it, it may not be completely shaken out, as you mentioned, they got some injuries to deal with. Uh, yeah. they, they didn't look all that. They didn't look all that impressive. So I, I think maybe they're going to come into this game and say, "Look, we got to get it together." But they're coming to St. Louis, so maybe this is an interesting game for uh, a lot of the Rams second and third string guys to show off at home and and put up some big games. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a big one. It's a biggie for all of them. You know, they all have to do better. They all have to show some improvement if they're going to make that hold their spot and move up and make that final roster. And we we talked about injuries. It was somebody I forgot to mention in the injuries. It was Brian Bullock. If there's a if there's an injury that's going to affect your team, it's your starting left tackle, and he's out for the yeah, year. Yeah, They got they got Bakhtiari, who was fine. I saw him in college at Colorado. I had, I didn't really notice him. I only watched the game live on, or not live. I guess I got watched the replay live, so I didn't have it like DVR. What is the term for that now? Is there a term? That I need to use for that. It wasn't live. It was a live replay. Is that is that a way to put that? I don't know. It's not live. It's Memorex. Damn it, 2013. You make English tough. Uh, I was watching the live replay live on DVR live, uh, so I didn't get a good look at Bakhtiari. I was looking more at their wide receivers with some of those guys out. Uh, and we'll track it as the week goes on. And obviously, I'll have a Q and A with the guy from Acme Packing Company to see. Uh, what kind yeah. of status is weak. But, yeah, I mean, the, you talk about Bakhtiari and the wide receivers, they're a team that's that's open to to susceptibility, I guess you could say. Yeah, very much so. So, who knows, maybe Eddie Lacell will come on and drop 240 yards rushing and everybody will point at me and say, 3K, it's time to go right off into that sunset with your broken knees and broken back and love the mystery that you've given body. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get in. I have it too long. I'll put on, I'll put on my helmet, and as Doug says, it doesn't matter if you have a helmet. So I'll put on a helmet for my helmet. Crack on, crack open a bottle of Tuaka, and ride off into that Big Ten sunset just for Brandon Burkhead. That's a good idea. That's a very good idea. As yeah. a matter of fact, I have some how procured some moonshine. I'm going to go sample some moonshine right now. God bless you, Van Diver. You are so Missouri, even if you don't want to be. It's it's one of those rare treats, but now you see, like, I can justify it. It's like, A, I'm from Missouri, so this shit happens occasionally. You can't talk <laughs> stuff like that. Well, and well, B, it's like, no, well, now I can justify it. Like, I'm some sort of – I'll think of myself – I'll choose to think of myself as some sort of, you know, um, cultured <laughs> cultured elite sibling the local fair. 
locally. It's not it's not moonshine three K. It's locally produced organic um corn grain liquor, grain alcohol. It's our it's artisanal hand grained uh, moon water. Question for you, moonshine. More Wyoming or more Missouri? <laughs> I think it's probably gonna be mostly like, you know, something that you would probably get in a Soviet prison. <laughs> Well, so send, like, a know, of Ber- send a bottle of Bernie Kozar and call it a day. That's right, you know, absolutely, absolutely. 3K, it's been good to talk some Rams again tonight. It is. <laughs> I got to go study up on my Soviet prisons. I always feel so unprepared, <laughs> whether it's whether it's Soviet talk or Nixon. I always forget, and I always I always feel like I'm on the back foot against you, man. <laughs> you never know when it's going to be. You're going to call into Turf Show Radio, and it's going to be 1976 all over again. <laughs> 1970s socio-political talk only on Turf Show Radio. <laughs> we get to yeah. the important stuff, man. <laughs> Well, all right, man. Let's close it up. Close talk shop. Uh, next Saturday, Green Bay Packers. I'll have a preview. I'll have a Q and A. Obviously, Douglas is working on that big CTE story. Who knows if we'll get it out this week, though? That's a pretty big one. Anything else to watch out for on the site, man? Anything and everything. We're gonna have it scattered, smothered, and covered, ready to go Saturday night. Like wa- like Waffle House. I love it. That's right. Three well, as always, man. You know what go. it is. But we got the, we got the outro this year, so it's go Rams, ram it. Go Rams. Ram it.
SRB, no speedball brown. Fastest man in the whole damn town. Cars and ladies are a part of my creed, but more than that, I feel the need for speed. This is Tetris, out to make a run. With shades on, I can catch a BB in the dark. So now you're ready, and I'm sure you'll agree. The ramming is fun when you're ramming with me. selection of signature cocktails. Roll in, chill out, and have fun. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. It's so hot outside. Time to go bowling. Stay cool at Bolero. With air-conditioned lanes, ice-cold beer, and a striking selection of signature cocktails. Roll in, chill out, and have fun. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.